Hello and welcome to the Researcher Podcast, your regular look at the research that's making waves in the scientific community and the people behind it. My name is Joe Fenton and I will be your host today. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Eleonora Passeri from the movement Rare Special Powers Art. So Rare Special Powers is a movement that advocates for rare diseases through the power of art. So Eleonora, thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a really a great pleasure for me. Okay, so before we get into your movement, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career or journey to where you are now? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm a neuroscientist, so I've done my PhD in neuroscience, and then I have done research in uh, neuropsychiatry, let's say, um, for years, from a couple of years. And after that, I decided to move my career from bench research into other different fields. So I always liked, uh, let's say, people get in touch with people. Uh, scientists or others that were outside the scientific community. Um, and that's when I decided to explore other fields. Um, I, let's say the, the art came in a second time, let's say in a second step. Um, just by chance, if I need to admit, um, I always been passionate about art, beauty and art, but I never thought about using it to um, to do some kind of science communication. Um, but when I started to do communication, because I wanted to um, change a little bit how we do science and in specific translational science, I needed a tool, you know, something different, something that could stand out. And uh, art came in to help, let's say. So... In the introduction, I mentioned that you were part of the movement Rare Special Powers. And now that we've been introduced to yourself and your career, could you tell us a little bit more about this movement? So let's say the idea was explain science and in a certain level also give uh, a voice to patients uh, that were part of the rare disease community um, using something that the, the, gen, the lay audience would, would have loved. When we talk about diseases in general, people are not interested because, you know, we get scared about getting sick and the consequences. So I thought, okay, what can I use to make people interested in uh, um, rare diseases? Um, of course, beauty. Because everybody is attracted by something that is beautiful. You know, you, you, you see a uh, painting, you listen to music, classical music especially. So we have a natural attraction for beauty because our brain is built up in a way to get attracted by beauty. So this was the first point. Uh, besides, you know, I'm, I'm Italian and in Italy, like in many other places, we have a lot of art. So it was pretty easy for me to use it because I have every day under my nose. So it was just use whatever you have to make um, a difference for these people because otherwise, I mean the patients, because otherwise usually we do not have this kind of conversation with them. We talk with them, but we ask, oh, so what are you doing? How are you doing? 
oh, you know, sad stories, of course, because maybe, I mean, <laughs> we are talking about diseases. We don't see the other side of the, the disease. And my intention was going behind the disease and see the persons, meet the persons, get into their lives. That, that was me was very, very important. And allow other people that are part of the society that have no connections with rare disease people or, or patient groups to get to know them, but not because they are patients, but because they are persons. That, that was really uh, my, my, my motivation and it still is my motivation. Now, how can heart help? It helps in a very, in many different ways. I do not use art as art therapy because there are a lot of other people that I do and I, I like the, the approach, but it was not on my, let's say, main interest. Also because other people are already doing it. So um, I wanted to do something different. When we do research, we always do things that are new. You don't do research because you do the same experiment that others have been doing, right? I mean, you always look for something new. The same type of approach is guiding me into, the, into this other project. I want to do something that is new. At least try to do something that is new. Okay, so for this particular movement how long has it been around for and just how long have you been a part of it so it came out let's say pretty natural in the last maybe three years so let's say from 2015 I started to to do more communication I started to to actually work on communication and then I got in touch with patient groups and after and in, in the meantime then I started to try what kind of art was working uh how to uh, use art in different social media platforms you know LinkedIn Instagram Twitter Facebook and so on by testing different strategies and then get in touch with artists as well and try to combine patient groups or a disease a rare disease with the art and use the right communication strategy so when it's it's not easy to let's say match what the patient groups have in mind or they want to say with with something that is artistic. So you need to know the art, the artist, and on the other side you need to know the patient. And and somehow you you by knowing all these different pieces, um, you can combine and get you know uh, to the final result that it can be like a slide or like an image or a piece of music uh, and so on. So this is what I usually do. Okay, so you have a PhD in neuroscience and now you're obviously part of this movement that we're discussing today. So what motivated you to join this movement and work for this movement rather than you know, staying in academia or even joining you know, another, another charity that deals with similar issues but in a different way? So let's say I created the movement because at the end of the day, you know, I created it with, with other patients because I, I wanted to, um, let's say, have an impact on, on these people's lives and also on society. 
How I came out with the rare special powers, it was very kind of, again, uh, pretty natural. I mean, we were working on, 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 a, on an awareness project, on, a, on an, an awareness day project altogether. And then we start to use these rare special powers. Why this name? Because they, if you talk with them, they can be patients or moms of special kids. I mean, they really have special powers. I mean, they do a lot of things. They have a, a, an enormous motivation. Um, they are moms and patients that are pushing the system in directions and in ways that we, let's say, healthy people would never know and would never even imagine. They can really push like governments, policy, and uh, different stakeholders to get like laws done or get a new drugs on the market, or, you know, get researchers together to uh, do, uh, like, a provo- uh, to, to, uh, to work on a proposal and so on. So, I mean, they're really, really motivated. And that's the reason why I, I use the term uh, rare special powers. Of course, the rare was related with the, with the rare disease and the special powers because of, of their uh, energy, um, that it's very... Um, contagious, I would say, at least for me. So it, we started like a couple of years ago, and I would say that the the project came uh, more well organized, like we see today in the last year. So I would say, yeah, in the in the past year, we we worked in in this direction toward this direction. Yeah. Okay. So this movement was established around three years ago, and so. In these last couple of years, just how big has this movement become? Um, let's say that is it is still growing. Uh, now we have like I'm in touch with 10, 15, 15 maybe twenty different patient groups. Um, I am in touch with uh, different artists and museums and other researchers as well that are trying to help us a bit. Um, so this is the, 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 situa- the current situation. Um, we work together, meaning, you know, we use the same hashtag and then we, we share, um, contents on, on social. We retweet. We join, uh, awareness days, uh, to help each other and spread the word about rare diseases. Uh, using, of course, socials, but others are going also to um, conferences. So when it's possible, uh, we we try to go as well, you know, or join uh, conferences, scientific or patient uh, conferences um, in Europe and in other places. Uh, that's important as well, I believe. Uh, and that's why I'm joining also the World Rare com- uh, Conferences in Dubai next month because I wanted to share this idea of um, ha- giving uh, patients uh, in, the re- in the rare disease uh, field a voice using art. And that, I guess, is critical if we want to change and move the translational research into a more patient-centered or patient-centric approach. This is my my aim. Uh, Using beauty, that's definitely, you know, because you can't uh, do without, without beauty and without good examples. 
Um, people don't like uh, when we say no or negative um, situation. But if you help people with positive examples, uh, with beauty, I mean, I, I, I believe that a change can be possible in many different places and, and across many different stakeholders. Um, when you ask me what was um, the main, uh, let's say, trigger to make the change, I guess that was the last question, right? I mean, I, I forgot to answer you. Um, I guess it came when I was still doing bench research and I was studying um, childhood onset schizophrenia. And it was very moving for me because it was very hard to imagine in my mind that a kid uh, could have schizophrenia. And I was trying to imagine, you know, how was this kid? What, what was what he or she was going through with this very devastating disease, you know? And um, I started to look on the internet and on YouTube, and I found one um, video blog from uh, from a dad, and he has uh, a daughter with this childhood childhood onset schizophrenia, and he was telling us, you know, his story and the story of his daughter, and it was very. I don't know, it was very moving. That was one of the turning points because I was like, oh my God, I mean, look at, at what he, he's going through, what she's going through. And I'm like, can I really, how can I help them? This is what I want to do. You know, do I want to help them by doing research or I can help them by doing something else? I don't want to say that research is not critical. I mean, I would be, uh, let's say, um, stupid to say that. Of course, we need research. We need science and we need to move science ahead. But the point, it was like personal. What do I want to do? Do I still want to do bench research? Where do I see myself in 20 years, first of all? And second, based on what I like, based on my motivation, my passion, can I do my job at best by doing bench research or by doing another type of, of, of job where definitely the research is always part of it? And I, um, I just follow my, my heart, I would say, and my motivation. And I was like, okay, um, I love research uh, and, I, you know, and I will always support research. But I believe that we can do research and support research in many different ways, being a PhD or an MD or whatever you want to be in, in, the, in the scientific community. That's definitely something possible. Yeah, I completely understand your story and your rationale completely. Okay, so back to the movement itself. And as we've discussed, it's this point between art and science. So I just want to ask you a question about the art itself, and that is, how is it collected? Do you have uh, resident artists or, well, not even or, just how is, how is it collected and then used and spread in your movement? Yeah, so when I started to, um, when I started to use art, the first uh, problem that I had uh, was 
getting uh, the, um, let's say, uh, the approval by the artist to use the images or the music and so on, because otherwise, they, you know, you cannot share inf- um, images on, on social media because of copyright uh, issues. That's totally fine. So I was like, okay, what can I do to use art and without no restrictions? Um, so I started to uh, talk and connect with artists. Um, so usually uh, those are photographers uh, as well as uh, painters uh, and a pianist for, for the moment. So I have like three or four uh, people that allow me to use their photographs, uh, pictures usually, uh, like Sergio, Camilla, um, Serena, um, so those are the main, uh, let's say, people. Um, Eric as well. Uh, they have different styles, and this is what I really look for because I know that you know Sergio has a certain style, Eric has another one. So I can use their their styles for my different campaign uh, campaign as well. Uh, and then I have two painters. One is Michela. And the other one is Mara. Mara does uh, watercolors and Michele instead uh, classical, let's say, paintings on, on canvas. Uh, again, two different styles, but I love their art, the, 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 the art that they, they do. Um, and uh, uh, since last May, if I am correct, um, I have the help of a pianist and she's Carlotta. Um, and, you know, together we, we, we talk about the disease or the awareness day. And she thinks about, um, a, a piece that could be right for that, for that specific, um, rare disease. And then I have, um, two museums. Uh, one is the Museo di Sciossano in, in Assisi, and the other one is the Villa dei Mosaici in Ispello. Um, and they provided me uh, images of masterpieces. Those are really masterpieces from, you know, the Middle Age uh, and, and also the Romans, because the Villa dei Mosaici has Romans uh, mosaic um, to do awareness. So they give me the pics and I combine the pics into a slide where I add the logo, of course, of the museums uh, and the logo of the rare disease group, patient groups. Um, and then we share across the social uh, with a short descriptions uh, in where it's possible, like on Facebook, LinkedIn and so on. We tag each other. Um, or Twitter as well. So we tag each other so the, the content or the post can be spread around more quickly. It was not easy, honestly. I mean, um, more with the museums compared with, with, to the artists, because of course the artists, you know, they, they have like paintings and, and uh, pictures. And then in my mind, it's like, okay, this one can go with this type of campaign or this kind of problems associated with that specific rare disease uh, because it's more plastic. But with museums, I mean, of course it was like, oh my God, how can I match like, a, I don't know, like a Sermay painting with a, with a rare disease um, that is 
upcoming, the Awareness Day? Or what about the, the mosaic? You know, but you would be surprised. You can do it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And what I, what I'm really fascinated about is getting again the art and science combined together, like it was used to, to do for us before during the Renaissance. Think about Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, think about all these big people back then. There was not this division between the art and science. So why we can do it again? That's my point. Um, I don't know. I mean, think about the artists back then um, or all the, the, the link between artists and, and mm, let's say, mental illnesses. It's, it's amazing. I mean, if you go back and you start to look and read the stories of certain genius that we had in the past, it's very, very striking. The, the connection between the art and, and science. The point is, are we ready to look at it again? Yes, no. Are we interested in doing that, in doing it? Yes, no. That's my, that's my, that's my point. And museums definitely are helping a, a lot. I mean, uh, they, they have really masterpieces and it's, it's a real privilege for me. Uh, use their images to to do awareness. Wow, that that really is impressive that you already have um, two museums already on board with you and helping you with this movement. So obviously having the help from two museums is amazing. And so what are your ambitions for this particular movement? Where do you really think it can go? Um, you know, honestly, I would like to uh, implement and increase as much as possible with other museums, definitely, or artists that might be interested in uh, such project, um, as well as provide a different type of communication tool to patient groups who are interested in doing awareness and spread the word around, you know, about their disease. That's my aim, one of my aim. On the other side, I would like to use beauty and art to have uh, and to reach, finally, a real patient-centered or patient-centric research inside the scientific community, especially in rare diseases. That's very critical because if we do translational research without the patients, what kind of translational research are we really doing? Are we really addressing the, the, the main issues those people are facing? When I read papers, and that was even back then when I was doing bench research, you know, I was reading the papers and I was like, okay, interesting, you know, it's like, oh, here's the cohort you have. X control, X patient, blah, blah, blah. Fine, great. Description of the symptoms. Oh, he has this, 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 blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But are those symptoms really crucial for patients? Or we, as scientific community, think that those are crucial when in reality their attention is focused towards other issues? Do we really want to have a peer communication and discussion 
among different stakeholders. And guess it's time to do it. You know, one time, one one mom, and I, I will tell you who, I mean, Anne, uh, from the 22Q Ireland, she once told me that patients um, and, and must be seen as expert by experience. And I believe it's true. You know, I don't want to say that research is not, or researchers doesn't know, uh, do not know anything. No, 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 that's not the point. The point is researchers and science have a specific type of knowledge. Patients have another type of knowledge. Can we combine? Yes. Can we use the combination of the two different types of knowledge to really move forward the research in, in, a, in a faster way and get some answers to those patients and those families? Yes. That's my, 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 my aim, you know. I use art to send the message. Yes, this is what I do. But the final aim is this one. Otherwise, you know, we just do things that we think are right, but at the end of the day, are not impacting the lives of these people. And this is critical when we talk about translational research. Because if you do basic research, fine. But if you do translational research or clinical research, then you need to talk with patients. Because they can provide you information that we may have not thought about. Believe me. I mean, when I talk with them, it's like, oh, my God, I've never thought about that. And you can use that kind of information to build up a new, really new research proposal. That's the key. Be Being innovative. Try to get out of the box. Because at the end of the box, there is no box. The more I, I do this kind of job, the more I realize that there is no box at all. We think that there is a box, but there is not. So free your mind and think, what can I really do? What is really new? I know it's hard, but scientists are very good people. They can do it. And they are not alone. That's the point. They may get some really good help by talking with patients. Because believe me, they would be more than happy to provide us whatever kind of information and biosamples we might need to help them and their kids. But we need to have them in the discussion. It's time to do it. Okay, I completely agree with your point there. I'm just curious to know if you're working on any other projects alongside this current movement. So whether that be scientific, charitable... Or if you're working on any other movements at all? So I'm working on a specific awareness um, because in, on uh, November 22nd will be the 22Q Awareness Day, at least in, the, in this hemisphere. Um, so Europe, I would say, and US. So this is what I'm actually working on, on my social uh, beside this one, I am working also on a um, cost action uh, project that is called Minds. And the idea is, again, having a conversation between uh, different uh, stakeholders, like researchers and uh, people that are in pharma, um, researchers across Europe, 
from different disciplines to uh, investigate neurodevelopmental diseases. So this is one of the things that I do. Uh, on the other side, I'm also working with another um, patient groups a patient group um, from Portugal, the CDG, uh, and the aim is uh, building up a new type of research where patients are at the center of it. Uh, so those are the main uh, things that I am currently working on, more, let's say, actively, <laughs> more directly. So whenever we work for charities... There's always this one moment or this one story that impacts you, you know, that stays with you forever. So wondering if you have any stories that have really impacted yourself. There was one. When I was doing research, um, I investigated a specific type of um, chromosomal alteration, the 22Q actually, the lesion. Um, and since this kind of chromosomal um, alteration um, has a 30% more or less uh, risk uh, for developing schizophrenia. So the, the, the people that have this uh, deletion are at high risk for developing schizophrenia. Now, this the disease um, or syndrome, I would say, um, is pretty unknown, even though it's pretty common among people. So based on the data that we have, it's the second after Down syndrome. But if you talk with health uh, professionals like medical doctors or scientists, usually they do not know it. Um, that's why we need to do awareness. And when I was doing research, of course, when I started my, my project, I didn't know it. So, you know, you start to study, to, to look for papers and so on. And then when I moved in uh, to this other project about rare special powers, I got in touch with uh, the people that have, you know, uh, this disease, I would say, or this syndrome. And I joined their conference last year was in October in Dublin. And the first um, talk was about some of these ladies, amazing ladies, um, that were telling us uh, what was for them have the, the syndrome. And to me, that was a very moving mo mo moment, moment because I... I had the possibility to go really behind the disease and see the persons. Those were not any more papers, you know, subjects. They identified subjects written in, in a paper, but those were people and were telling me directly what was for them. Um, yes, live with this disease for sure. But on the other side, the disease doesn't define them. So why should I define them by the disease if they do not let the disease define them? And that was really, believe me, it was really moving because I could, again, put a face on those sub person that on the papers we called subjects. Okay, so this next question is a question that I ask every single one of the guests that comes on 
the researcher podcast and that is for their one piece of advice for a phd student but this time i might put a spin on it because obviously you've done your phd and you've moved away from from academia so i'm just going to ask what your one piece of advice is for somebody that wants to do a phd but doesn't ultimately want to end up with a career in academia honestly just keep dreaming um don't decide to accept or do that kind of job because uh, you just need to do something but uh, look for yourself talk with yourself and ask yourself what do i really want to do where am i really good at because when you do a phd or you are in science it it, it takes a lot of effort you know it's a very demanding um task and and job i would say so i believe you need to um use that kind of effort as well to move to the next level and say okay what do i really want to do what what it makes me happy where i can be in 10 years and being let's say glad with the decision that i take or took back then you know that i guess is the main point and and, and just keep dreaming i mean be honest with yourself and and try jump sometimes it's just a question of jump you know um take the chance take the risks i mean there is nothing else that we can do but if you don't risk if we do not risk what is the meaning of doing science or doing something you know communication or doing the job that we do if you want to have like a if you want to make a difference you need to jump and I believe that have a PhD can help a lot, definitely, because you, it's it's a kind of training to open up your mind and see what you can do and what kind of um, experiences you can do in the future. It's just give you the the, the background to to jump, but definitely do do what you love. Um, and be honest with yourself and say, yes, I love to do this one. I don't like this. Oh, amazing. Okay. Um, so for my last question, I just want to simply ask where people could find you and where can people find this movement and discover more about it? Oh, yeah, sure. So we are on, on socials uh, like Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and LinkedIn, um, we use the hashtag um, Rare Special Powers and Rare Special Powers Art or RSP Art. Um, and I'm on the social, so I use my, let's say, my D-R-P-A-S-E-L-E on uh, some on Twitter, on uh, LinkedIn, and then, of, oh, sorry, on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, then on LinkedIn, I'm Ilonara Passeri, so you can find me there. And on Facebook, I um, I have a page that is called Universal Mankind. Um, the name is not, you know, it has been very critical for me and has a meaning. 
um, and then connected to to it, you you would see the other uh, patient groups like the 22Q Ireland, the 22Q um, from South Africa, uh, CEDG, Attacks and Me, uh, A and E, and um, oh my God, now I, I know I know the other um, the ASCOG Foundation uh, and many others. So um, that where we are. We are all connected, Amazing. so if you go one, you can look the others for sure, you know? Right. Yeah. As well with the museums and, and the artists as well. So we, we tag the, the, every person that contributes yeah, with, that the, with our work. Okay, so um, that's all we've got time for today on the Researcher Podcast. We've been joined by Dr. Eleonora Passari. Eleonora, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us today. Thank you for this opportunity and, you know, let's hope for the future that other people will join us. And again, thank you so much for joining us again today, everyone. And don't forget to subscribe or leave a review wherever you may be listening. Until next time. You've been listening to The Researcher Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You can also follow us online at www.researcher-app.com. Or, alternatively, you can drop me an email at joseph.fenton at researcherapp.com. Researcher is free to use on iOS, Android, or on your web browser. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to leave us a review.